0: One day, two of Houston's finest young men found themselves in an interesting predicament. Fresh out of college with no job. Although they graduated with honors from a respected university, no one wanted to hire them. They begged and pleaded for jobs with every major media outlet in the city, but to no avail. Eventually, they found one another, joined forces, and decided to break into the business. Brought to you by Rooted in Design. Tailored designs for creative minds. Here's John Boudreaux and Andrew Carlson.
1: We're back, Houston. Wait. We represent the whole world. Just kidding. We're back, everyone. Breaking into the business. Johnny B and Andrew C. I
2: woke up at 2.45 in the morning. Andrew, what time did you wake up? Uh, Like 9 o'clock. It's been good. How was your holidays, man? It's been about a month since we've... Long gotten night. into a studio to record an episode of the podcast so how are your holidays man it's been a while since you caught up swinging
1: and banging my dude yeah. not literally but um lots of uh lots of good family time got to go visit my family off in louisiana which yeah. is nice got to see uh, pretty much all my family which was dope got to meet my my cousin's new baby i was stoked about that little Benji. so yeah happy
2: happy happy uh, how about you Oh, it was great. I mean, I managed to survive. So if you'll indulge me with a little bit of story time, so... Indulge, you may. (laughs) So for the holidays this year, um, we were celebrating my grandmother's 87th birthday, and we went down to Amelia Island in Florida. It's about 45 minutes northeast of Jacksonville. Okay. Nice little islands. Beach is great. Uh, Only problem is it's on the Atlantic, so the water's kind of cold, but that that wasn't a super big deal. But The part of surviving came when my uh, grandfather got behind the wheel. He's about 90 years old, super active guy. You know, he plays tennis, and his decision-making, for the most part, for a 90-year-old dude, pretty fantastic. Like, pretty spot-on. But for whatever reason, his driving decision-making just isn't quite there the way that it used to be. And we recognized this about a decade ago. Uh, We had a family trip to yeah, Decade? Yeah, so he he... He nearly killed half the family back then. Oh, wow! Uh, he he kind of drove the, into the a station wagon. No, kind of drove into a ditch. Um, but you know, all's well that ends well. No one was hurt, so he he affectionately was given the name NASCAR Jim because he likes <laughs> to make aggressive decisions on the road. So <laughs> not you know, road rage, Jim. No. So NASCAR Jim. So he, you're saying him and Trey would be best friends. Him and Trey would be good friends. So. We um, from our little beach house in Amelia Island, we used that as a base of operations to sort of go out to do and see things um in the surrounding area. And one of those things was one of a state park. Um, it was like an Indian reserve type thing. very cool. And they had so they were supposed to have like all sorts of wildlife and forts and other things on the reserve. So on our journey out there, We sort of not drew straws, but we were just like discussing like, hey, who's going to who's going to take the take the bullet and go drive with NASCAR Jim. (laughs) And so it was um, it was me and my aunt that were in the car. And so we're and he's following, trailing along behind my dad. And everything is going cool for about 30 minutes. You know, we've been on the highway. Everything's chill. No, no problems whatsoever. And then all of a sudden um, we're on a feeder road and we have to get back on a highway and it's one of those ones where it merges like super quickly so you're on the highway and then yeah. within a couple seconds like you need to be back you need to be in the lane with somebody so my dad he makes a kind of questionable decision there's an 18 wheeler like right next to him so he speeds up and merges in front of the 18 wheeler hmm. and my grandfather in his little 150 horsepower Chevy sedan just decides You know what? He just merged. I'm not going to get behind the 18-wheeler. I'm going to speed up and get in front of him, too. So you just hear the revving of this 150-horsepower engine, and it's like... (laughs) And he's putting every single one of those horses to work. Slides right in front of that 18-wheeler. We hear the horn and the brakes go, and we're just like, Dear God, what are you doing, Jim? NASCAR Jim, what are you doing? But you know what? We made it out of there alive. Everything's okay. I'm here to record. So shout out NASCAR Jim and my man just, just out here making very questionable decisions on the road.
1: Oh my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Oh geez. Before we go any further, uh, I know we talked about this like super briefly. I wanted to shout out my friend, Lyndon Rook. He's having his first concert, uh, here in Houston. He's a local Houston, I guess you could say rapper. He has a lot of stuff on SoundCloud. He's not a basic SoundCloud boy. He, he's he's an elevated state SoundCloud boy, I guess you could say. Uh, he's opening up for the for the pom poms and ska- and space cadets. Uh, it's going to be on Tuesday, January the fifteenth, at eight p.m. at Satellite Bar. If you don't know where it is, just Google Satellite Bar. It's a local venue here in Houston, Texas. If you're around, come sh- come out. You'll see me. I'll probably be wearing something ridiculous, you know. I, and. Let's have some fun.
2: Hey, so let's get into it then. Heck
0: so yeah, I, right. I'm gonna I'm
2: gonna start off with our Houston Rockets because let's do it. they've just been so fantastic since the last time we recorded.
1: Out of nowhere,
2: remember, I, I, I we, called, we, called we, them, always, we didn't we have like I called it, them. Dead didn't and we buried. have a memoriam service, yeah. memorial service? Yeah, service for the Rockets. I, I, I called them dead and buried. I thought the season was essentially over. So did I. And I I part part of me still kind of believes it a tiny bit. No. No, a John, tiny it's, bit no John it's, there's, there's still it, a tiny bit no John that's wrong um, anything th- is that, possible no that's straight but up my wrong my hopes are high no that you're straight up wrong with that one at this point they're not missing the playoffs that's just that's that's a matter of fact they're not going to be missing the playoffs there was a lot of question about that the last time recorded, we recorded about a month ago mm-hmm. there's not a question about that anymore so no there's, in terms of making the playoffs and potentially making some noise in the playoffs there's not a question about that anymore Starting with their game against the Trailblazers on December 11th, they've gone through what you could argue is going to be their toughest. Stretch yeah, it of the was season. a very
1: tough stretch, and it starts to ease out right yeah. about
2: now once we have uh, the Cavaliers coming yeah. up. Yeah, and so they were 11 and 14 heading into that December 11th game, and including that game against the Trailblazers on December 11th in their last, fifth, they are 12 and 3 in their last 15. In the sixth game of that stretch, Chris Paul got hurt and. James has become super and, superman. And James went insane. Most people, myself included, thought the team was done once Chris Paul got hurt. We looked at the next five games and we thought one and four. See two and are, two and three is the ceiling. See a nerd. And you know what they did? They went five and oh. They yeeted. Um and look, James has been absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um I don't think have we ever seen someone have this sort of a sh- a run? Have we? We have, but before we get to him, I I, I want to save some praise for some other people first. All right, right, Starting with Clint Capella. Um, He had a slow start to the season, had me and some other fans worried that he got his money and he stopped working quite as hard. But he's upped his averages for the season to 17.6 points per game, just under 13 rebounds per game. And the last 15, he bumped that rebounding average up to 14.7. Over the last 10, it's 16.3. The dude has turned himself into a human vacuum for basketballs Mm -hmm. he is just cleaning the glass and he is inhaling every rebound in sight in the last 10 games alone he's gone for 20 plus rebounds four times he has stepped up his level of play and that's a huge reason for this winning streak it's not just james i know that james is the main catalyst for everything and that he's getting everything done but for me outside of his play this turnaround in clint's rebounding and rebounding for the team in general is the biggest reason for the turnaround. When the mm. rockets clean the glass well on the defensive end, they win. In their wins, they're the third best team in the league in terms of allowing second chance points. They allow just 10.9 per game, but in their lo- in their losses, they're dead last in the league mm. in second chance points. They give up 17 points per game um, in terms of second chance points. That's huge. That's that's almost a 7 point swing and obviously that's that's a massive massive difference. Mm-hmm. And for me, the biggest reason that the rebounding has improved so much is that they've stopped switching Capella out on guards all the time. That was something that I complained to you about earlier in the season. That was what
1: was killing, like, so much of what the Rockets defense was trying to be. Yeah. It was it was killing it. And that's why Carmelo left because he couldn't he couldn't do any switch defense. Well, yeah, and I and, get and, yeah. and, and he was he was sucking. To yeah.
2: <laughs> and and I get that Clint can move his feet really well for a big guy and that his switchability as a center is really impressive. But I think he's lost at least a half step as he's bulked up a little bit this offseason. I think that's noticeable. And On top of that, you don't want your center, who's your defensive presence in the Mm -hmm. middle, who's an excellent shot blocker. anywhere else but in the middle. Exactly. And if he's chasing guards around the perimeter, that's not what you want him doing. It's not ideal. And what they've done is they've stopped playing every team as if they're playing the Warriors. If you notice when they played the Warriors, they still switch everything. But when they're not playing the Warriors, they're employed a little bit more nuance into their defensive schemes. Mm -hmm. They're dropping Clint on some of those screens to where he's hedging a little bit, and then he'll potentially switch back to the big man if he's rolling or if he's popping. But they're not just having him just blindly switch onto guards every single time they set a screen. Mm. And that's the biggest reason for me for, the, for our rebounding improving. The fact that we now have our big man in the middle to gobble up some of those loose balls and rebounds where previously he was on the perimeter. Our rebounding by no means is it good. But it's significantly better than where it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. You know, we're, we're starting a 6'6 power forward in PJ Tucker. Our rebounding is never going to be outstanding.
1: If, if we started a 6'10 power forward, obviously, it'd be a lot more ideal if PJ was like, you know, a heck of a lot taller. But it, it's it, not going to happen yeah, if he's PJ not was not taller and longer. Yeah,
2: exactly. If PJ was taller and longer, it would be a different story. He, he, but he's not. Yeah. P- I love PJ. He is who he is. And sometimes you can box out for all your heart is worth. And it's not going to matter because the guy behind you is taller, longer, and more athletic. Sometimes that's just that's just the way the cookie no, crumbles. Sometimes they'd be like that. But look, before this 15 game stretch, the Rockets were 22nd in the league in second chance points allowed. In the last 15, they're 11th. So it's not perfect, but but, but it's significantly the better. The improvement is doubled practically. Yeah, it's it's significantly better. So much better. And look, as long as this continues, as long as they continue to put a good amount of effort in on the defensive glass, and limit teams from having that second bite at the cherry, I fully expect them to have home court advantage in the West in their first-round playoff mm-hmm. series. Past that, we'll see. Like, but one, one thing I do want to bring up that I'm noticing on
1: Clint's stats yeah. is when I'm seeing him go up against upper-level teams, or at least teams that usually have pretty decent big men, I'm seeing him put up crazy stat lines, like 20 and 20s, against Portland. Yeah. Against Golden State, against Boston, against OKC, San Antonio, Memphis.
2: Yeah, no, no, he's he's done. He, an, he stepped he, up. He is he is putting up big double doubles. No, he, that's and that's what I was saying is he has absolutely stepped up his it's level like of play.
1: Type numbers at, <laughs> and Giannis puts up some numbers. Bro. No, I'm getting to see Giannis, bro. He clip. looks like he,
2: he got that young Dwight Howard body. <laughs>
1: I kid you not. Hopefully he
2: doesn't need young Dwight Howard babies. But outside of the game against the Bucks, where he was four sixteen, and Brooke Lopez handled him way better yeah. than he should, Clint has stepped up to the challenge almost every single time mm. since Chris Paul has gone out, and that's that's exactly what we needed from him. Mm. We're paying him eighteen million dollars a year. He's one of the better paid centers in the league, and he's playing it, like he's it. showing, and like he's it. playing like yeah. it. And so. Like I said, I expect them at this point to finish with home court in the West. If you look at the standings right now, mm-hmm. they're they're in seventh, but they're a half game behind the Spurs for sixth. The Suburbs have just played three more games than they have, so they're actually a game up on the Spurs in the lost column. They're a half game behind the, Bla- the Clippers for fifth. They're a full game behind the Blazers for fourth. Just a game and a half behind the Thunder for third. I wouldn't be shocked if it's we're... still super tight. No, I I, I fully expect it's the Rockets to have tight. a top three seed by the time the season is over. Where I, they end up in that top three, I, wouldn't ex, I don't expect it to be number one or number two because mm-hmm. the Nuggets, even though the Rockets beat them every time they play them, we've won like 10 plus the in Nuggets a row. The Nuggets are
1: playing stupid but, good team it, basketball. But they
2: play really well against every team that's not yeah. named the Rockets. So I... I wouldn't be shocked if they hold the number one seed. Mm. I'm definitely not betting against Golden State holding on to the number two, but I think up to that number three seed is absolutely within reach, yeah. and it's not ludicrous or out of, the, out of the blue to say that the Rockets could climb all the way up to number two. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where the rest of the season takes us, but I fully expect them to have home court advantage by the time the season is over with. And look, with Chris Paul and James Harden both playing and finishing the game, the Rockets are 15-6 and six this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not counting that Miami game where Chris Paul went at halftime, and I'm not counting that Utah game where James Harden went out in the fourth quarter. So um, if you want to count that Utah game since James Harden played 32 minutes, fine. We'll call them 15-7 and seven with both Chris Paul and James Harden playing. And that's a 68% winning percentage. That's a 56-win pace over the course of an 82-game season. That's a really good year. So... Perhaps the sky was never falling. I know <laughs> it sure felt like it, but... I felt like we're already six feet deep. The <laughs> casket is like already in the ground. We just didn't throw the dirt on top of it yet. But Chris Paul's hamstrings willing, I don't see any reason why this team shouldn't have home court advantage heading into the playoffs. Mm. Now, all of that being said, giving credit to Clint and some of the other guys on the team, none of this run would have been possible without the unbelievable play of one bearded individual... James
1: Harden. If he doesn't have a beard oil sponsorship by now, he better get one. That's all I gotta say.
2: And look, I'm, I'm that, su- and he needs to be on the next Ciroc commercial yeah. with P Diddy. And like, I'm sure anyone that's listening to our podcast has heard his numbers ad nauseum over the past couple of weeks. Because, like, if you pay attention to the NBA or sports in general, then you'll have heard about what he's been doing. But look, they're so damn incredible. I don't really care. You're gonna have to listen to him again. <laughs> the stretch that James is on—it's an individual tour de force that is the likes of which the NBA has very rarely seen over the past few decades. Over his last 14 games, James has scored 32 or por- uh, over his last 14 games. James has scored 32 points or more every single time in those 14 games. He's dropped 40 plus eight times while averaging 39 and a half per game. He's shooting over 40% from three. His true shooting percentage is over 60%, which is That's which is stupid. an elite-level category. That's
1: stupid good. And on top of all of that— With 2 stupid.
2: <laughs> call me 6-9. Don't call me that. Guy's an idiot. On top of all that, he's averaging nine assists per game. The ah. dude is an individual offensive yeah. hurricane. Like He just levels everything mm-hmm. in his path, and it's just incredible to see. In the modern era, which is basically since the three-point line was um, added to the game— not counting crazy Wilt Chamberlain statistics because like, he was playing against six five white janitors. Um, oh, they got to be white, man? <laughs> because they were. Kobe holds the league's longest streak of 30-plus games um, at 16 games. So with the Cavs and Magic in the next two games, I fully expect James to equal Kobe's record of 16 straight 30-plus point performances. Mm. Um, unless he's sitting out the fourth quarter because those games are already out of reach. I don't I don't see any way he doesn't reach at least 16 straight games of 30 plus points
1: yeah I think my only concern with this is that I don't want James to necessarily get injured because he's constantly exerting
2: himself so much oh that's absolutely an issue I'm super worried about him being burnt out when the playoffs come around but we, we, we don't want him to sit here and blow his wad
1: yeah and just be like all right he's toast and then Chris is having to carry the load yeah we know what it looks like when chris has to carry the load yeah it's a lot of pressure on him. yeah uh, and it, and it's, it's, yeah it, you, you don't want to have to put paul in that situation where he's coming back from the injury yes he has the mindset yes he has the mentality does he have the physical ability to back it up though
2: no i i, I agree it's it's it, something that's concerning moving forward but right now i'm gonna sit i'm gonna sit back and enjoy the ride I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna enjoy the show. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me be a little Sponge Boy and s-
0: soak it up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit back and watch James go to work and do soak it up, man. Do do the incredible work that he's been do, doing. You know what? And do beard things. <laughs> and you know what? Despite all of this, you go to Twitter. You go to Reddit. Nah. James Harden haters are continuing to scream at the top of their lungs. Dude,
1: I don't get it. I don't understand why they could. I don't understand why they don't like the person. Yeah, in real life, I've heard enough stories of people who've met him and and not had the best experience and kind of he's he's not the kindest person, but hey man, as a basketball player, you can't deny what he's doing. Yeah. No, absolutely. You can't like so What are you going to do? Say that he's that he's not as good as Kobe? In many ways he's better. Yeah, does he does he have the longevity? No, he hasn't been around twenty years doing it. But for right now, for right now, he's undeniable. Yeah,
2: and so so for all the haters, essentially, I'm gonna say this one time. I'm gonna say this one time and one time only. If you don't like the way James plays, I understand it. I understand that his game isn't always the most aesthetically pleasing game of basketball. He draws a lot of fouls. He initiates contact. He'll spend multiple possessions at a time doing his best to pound all the air out of a basketball. For me, Deflict. I disagree that it's not entertaining, but look, I'm a Rockets fan, so I understand that I'm looking at everything he does through rose-tinted glasses. But you know what? He also drives to the basket more than any other player in the league. He leads the league in drives per game. Mm. Would it not logically make sense that the player who leads the league in drives per game also is leading the league in free throw shooting? That To me, that makes sense. And look, does he embellish plays? Absolutely he he does. does. Is he the only player in the league that does it? Nope. Absolutely not. Does he draw fouls that infuriate you as a a fan of the opposing team? I'm sure he does. Absolutely he does. But at the end of the day, whether you love him or hate his game, James Harden is unquestionably one of the greatest individual offensive forces that the sport of basketball has ever seen, period, Mm. the entire sport. Since he's arrived in Houston you can basically roll the ball out in the court, say, "Hey James, go do something." And you've got a top 5 offense. There you go. And that and and and, and all these things that you're pointing to
1: go come to one conclusion in my mind. Yeah. He is super effective, not necessarily efficient, but he's super effective at scoring. Yeah. He knows what to do in order to make points. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, you have to respect the fact that he's
2: that good at doing what he does. Yeah, And in, in the modern era of basketball, in terms of players who are capable of producing on the offensive ends like he does, you can count the other players capable of doing that on your two hands. Mm. It's, it's unreal what the guys have been able to do. And if you refuse to accept his greatness simply because you can't look past aspects of his game that you don't like— then honestly, it's impossible to take take your opinions on the sport of basketball seriously. Yeah, it's like listening to Max Kellerman. That's what it is. That's what it is. And so, do I think he deserves the MVP? As of right now, I give it to him. As of right now, yes, it's going to have a lot to do with where the Rockets end up in the standings. If they end up with a top three seed, I fully expect him to get it. But if they don't, because they ended up in the five, six, seven spot, I wouldn't be upset about giving it to Giannis.
1: Giannis was fun to watch
2: the other night, though. Yeah. No. That's a scary human being. Yeah. No, he's uh. There's a reason they call him the Greek freak. He's pretty incredible.
1: Mm-mm,
2: Toasty. Uh.
1: Stole that from Quizno. <laughs> All right, ladies and gents, that's going to wrap up the first half of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening to it so far. If you leave now,
2: don't listen to the second half. Uh, uh, got <laughs> a little Texans and a little uh, little Cougar sports action.
1: A little, little Cougars. Not the ones you guys are probably thinking about. Uh, but um, you can follow us anytime on the Twitter at Pod. You can follow Andrew at HypedUpAndrew. Follow me at Johnny Toblerone. Don't forget, once again, come out to the show on Tuesday, January 15th at Satellite Bar for Lyndon Rook. That's Rook with two O's. R-O-O-K. Check out his music. We'll play a little bit, little bit of it during the break. We love you. We love you. See you in just a second. Tell
0: me, sorry I made the plans. Sorry we're not real friends. Sorry that you're depressed. Maybe next weekend, oh, I'll let the deep end, oh. Maybe I don't need them, oh. Take a deep breath. Sorry, I made all the plans. Sorry, we're not real friends. Sorry that you're depressed. Maybe next weekend, oh, I'll let the deep end, oh. Maybe I don't need them oh-oh Take a deep breath and leave home. I don't think I'm alright. No one ever hits my line. So to believe all my friends are imaginary If I knew a fairy I would wish for caring someone I could marry Yeah I'm always trapped inside Whether it's a house in my mind Cause if other, I'm always here or gloomy When I'm at your party Depression is starting No one's beta blocking Might as well stop talking Yeah I get the message fine No negatives in your life I just wish sometimes That you could reach from heaven little more often little more often more often more often They have a better friendship than Bill O'Brien and Rick Ross. Here's Johnny B. and Andrew C. That music. And we're back. Hope you enjoy this little ditty. It's
1: Carnival by Lyndon Rook. It's a good old low ditty. Andrew's sitting there with pressed lips.
2: <laughs> well, as you know, we put the music in in post production, so I haven't heard this sure. little ditty yet. But I'm I'm sure it's good. It I'm is, sure it's good. It is the Gucciest of Gangs. So, <laughs> what wasn't the Gucciest of Gangs in my awful attempt at a segue to start off the second half of the show? Hey. Um, the Texans and that putrid display laid a fat they, one they, with they an put F, on, not a PH. Uh, the future display they put on the field against the colts in the wild card rounds of the nfl playoffs if anything was disappointing
1: it, it's like you know when your parent disciplines you like when you were a kid you're like son i'm not I'm, mad i'm not, I'm not mad i'm just disappointed and you know i was i was just disappointed yeah. because the thing is i didn't we expect looked, them to we win we looked completely, we looked inept
2: we looked like we didn't belong on the same exactly. field and that's they're, you're right, there's no other way to put that than extremely disappointing, very disheartening. I mean, they flat out got beat on both sides of the ball yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Every, every single position group you want to name, Indy kicked our asses up and down the field on that Saturday. And look, this, the line of scrimmage, Indy controlled it the entirety of the game. Our secondary got absolutely torched in the first half. T.Y. Hilton came to the game in a clown mask. Dude, and Joseph opened his mouth, and all hell broke loose. And no, it, no, 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 it it yeah. broke loose. And I didn't expect the Texans to win, but I didn't expect things to go that poorly. No. you know, it was it was such an odd way for things to go because it to me it looked like Deshaun got gun shy in the second half. It looked like he lost confidence in his arm throwing downfield. I didn't. I've just never seen that happen to him before at Clemson or in the NFL. And I don't know if it was him losing confidence in his ability to throw accurately downfield. I don't know if it was him losing confidence in his offensive line to hold a pocket long enough for him to step in his throws. I don't know if it was him losing confidence in his depleted receiving group because once DeAndre went down with the shoulder injury, we basically have nothing at that position. So maybe it was a mixture of all three of those things, but... Uh, Deshaun, as much as I love him, like the rest of the team, he came up way short against the Colts. Mm-hmm. It, he he did, and everything in that second half was a checkdown, and it really really bothered me that that was the case. Yeah, that I'm not really too sure all that was going on,
1: but everything that you're you're saying it it was really strange. It was just to very watch. odd to watch. It was Cause the thing is to watch. It, it, it was not it was not of the norm. It, it was it wasn't normal Deshaun because Deshaun isn't like. Tom Brady, he's not a check-down machine. Deshaun has he, never he moves been the guy. It,
2: he, he moves it around. He has never been that guy. He has always tried to push the ball downfield through the air. His Everything that we've seen of him so far in the NFL has said that Deshaun pushes the ball downfield through the air. He's not someone that consistently checks the ball down. If anything, I've criticized him for checking the ball down not an, or not checking the ball down enough. Yeah. When he's trying to make plays downfield. Mm. But, man, I just I just don't know what happens, and I don't think we're ever going to get an explanation. You heard him say something in this post game conference along the lines of "I couldn't step up into my throws," not completely throwing shade at the offensive line, but just throwing a little bit of "I didn't have time." A but sprinkle. to me, but to me, it wasn't the offensive line wasn't great, but it wasn't like that's not something. He's dealt with the entirety of the season, and he's yeah. been throwing downfield all year long. It, so it it just didn't make sense to me. Do you think it it's didn't possible make sense that he
1: just kind of knew that the game was over, and he didn't want to risk anything.
2: Not a chance in hell. Okay. Not a chance in hell. There's I know.
1: Th- I know that's a little far fetched.
2: Someone of his caliber and the stuff that he's been through at Clemson and in high school, a winner of that stature. Not a chance in hell that he just uh, said, oh, the game is already over. Mm. (sighs) So that all being said, despite that loss, the future is pretty bright for the Texans. We've got, to me, a top 10 quarterback in the league who's under a team-friendly, controlled contract for at least two more years. And that means that these next two off-seasons are probably the most important off-seasons that this franchise has ever had. Mm -hmm. Brian Gain has his work cut out for him. Yeah, because... But look, we've got cap space, we've got draft picks. There's no excuses to not have a significantly improved roster heading into next season.
1: And and the thing is a lot of the needs are the same ones that we've need to needed to address for what almost a decade now. Yeah. Close to a decade. Offensive line, secondary, honestly
2: receiving core. Yeah. And
1: and not to say that the receiving core is
2: weak. It's By just, any stretch. We, we've got some guys that are somewhat unreliable in terms of health. You've got DeAndre it's, it's the health. You, you've got DeAndre who is a pillar of And
1: when you don't have him, who do you have? No oh, one. Yeah, Kiki QT. Yeah. And Kiki's coming off of an injury, and I think Kiki will be much better next season when he has a great training cramp. Hopefully not yeah. cramp. Uh, we don't we don't need no training
2: cramps. Yeah. Um but you know what I mean. And hopefully Will Fuller. Can, well, well, He can fully stay healthy. Well, I don't I don't ever expect him to stay on this field for a full 16-game season, but what I do expect from where I would maybe not expect, but what I would hope from him is that he can give me 10 games and be healthy at the postseason. Mm. If you give me that, if you tell me right now, Will Fuller's going to miss time throughout the year, but he's going to be healthy by the time the postseason rolls around, yeah. if I'm the Texans, I'm absolutely taking that. Mm. And so heading into this offseason – and the draft, what do you think is their most pressing need, John? For me, I've got to go cornerback. I know that almost everywhere else I've looked, they've been saying offensive line. But for me, if you're playing in a division with T.Y. Hilton, and if you look at a lot of the top teams across the league, almost all of them have speed receivers. Mm -hmm. If you've got a set of cornerbacks where all they're going to be doing is inhaling T.Y. Hilton's exhaust fumes as they watch him run downfield. And watch
1: Antonio Brown join the
2: Colts, and the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. This division is
1: wrapped up
2: for the next five years. Yeah, if you don't... Wrapped up with a bow. If you don't have the speed and athleticism at cornerback to stay with those speedy receivers, you're you're, just going to get blown out. You're basically conceding multiple games a year to teams that have that speed on the outside and that speed in the slot. And all it is is that
1: you have to get the right corners in the right position. Yeah.
2: You have to have the right people and you have to play the right scheme. Yeah. And... Look, it's it's hard. It's easier said than yes, done, obviously. Um, because, frankly, if it was so easy to just pick up cornerbacks, we would have done it. Yeah, uh, We would have done it a long time ago. But we've got a first-round draft pick that's probably going to, I believe it's going to be the 23rd pick in the first round. We've got two picks in the second round. We've got some cap space, cap space to play with this offseason. There is not any reason that... Any of the starting cornerbacks we have we had this year should be starting for us next year. J. Joe, I love you, but you you are not a starting caliber cornerback slow. in the league anymore. Slow. You should be a third or fourth guy. Slow. That's just how it is. Kevin Johnson, I don't think he's going to play in a Texans uniform again. I don't think he's going to play in the NFL again. I won't be surprised. Sharice Wright, dear God, please don't no. let me see him in a Texans please. uniform again. No. So Charisse
1: couldn't <sighs> even cover anybody
2: on a freaking post route. Yeah. So I could cover
1: you on a post route. It's a post. <laughs>
2: I don't know Hello? about that one, John. You go
1: to the post.
2: I don't know about that one, John.
1: Yeah, I'll be slow as heck. I know, but at least I'll be able <laughs> to keep track of him by at least three steps. That's what Sharice does, right? He's yeah. about three steps off.
2: Yeah, yeah. So maybe you could do an equivalent job to what Sharice Wright did. <laughs> but I won't have all the armbands or swag. But Kareem Jackson, I thought he played pretty well this season. His play dropped off in the second half of the year. But if you if you keep him at safety, I'm totally cool with keeping around keeping him around. What do you think about Honey Badger? Because the thing is,
1: I, I would not be surprised if he's gone. I, I would not be surprised. And he did not play well as much as I love him. His I his play him. his play also dropped off his as play, the year went his on. His play dropped off, and it dropped off big time against the Colts. Yeah.
2: I, I didn't really see anything out of him. I, look, I love the guy. I love the presence he brings to the locker room. Obviously, if you come in as a free agent and you're named a captain, that means you have a big influence on the guys around Giant. you. And that means a lot, but to me what means more is are you able to perform on the field consistently well? Because that's going to spur others on to keep on doing more. And I just don't think that we're going to be able to give him the money. I don't know if Tyron was dealing with an issue. Yeah, I I I just don't think we're going to be able to give him the money. And the contract what, length what, that is going to satisfy him—seven him. million this past year. Yeah, he had With seven. He he was at seven million this past offseason. And honestly, I wouldn't bring him back at that number. I, I would. I would be comfortable at four and a half. Yeah, I I wouldn't bring him back at seven eight million a year. And he's probably looking for a longer term deal because this is going to be the last chance he really has at one of those. Mm. So. If he's willing to come back at a cut rate, then absolutely I'll have him in as a great locker room presence and a guy that can occasionally be an energizer bunny in the secondary. But given what I saw for the majority of the second half of this past season, if he wants to come back at the salary he's currently at, I'm going to say, Hey, man, yeah. sorry, but you got to go kick rocks.
1: <laughs> and hopefully Adam
2: Gase will, will see it all. Adam Gase? Adam Gase. Why, what, who, I woke the,
1: up at 240. Uh, the, I completely the, the, new, the new head coach of the Jets? <laughs> yeah, Adam Gase is definitely going to pick him up. I'm so tired. Brian Gain. Brian Gain. <laughs> I knew it started with a G.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you got the G.A. right, so. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> the, um, if you could see the look of confusion on my face when John said Adam Gase. But I – Given one offseason of what we've seen with Brian Gain, I think he's going to do a good job. Mm-hmm. I, I have positive feelings. I, I've, I've, I've got high expectations, but I think that he's going to meet those expectations. And look, if all we do this entire offseason is draft cornerback offensive line, maybe sign a sign another receiver and sign everybody to cornerback offensive line, Please, I think that, please get some offensive linemen.
1: Yeah. Even though the offensive line dr- dramatically improved
2: out of nowhere, well, still. It, I wouldn't say it, they improved from being worst in the league. Suckage! They, they improved from being worst in the league by a mile, by a country mile over those first, what, six, seven games, to being still probably bottom tier in the league but not the absolute won't absolute worst we
1: went we went from we might as well have like the JV team out there yeah to having like at least a few a few starters
2: yeah there's there's a lot of room for improvement on the offensive line but for me we've scored points with a poor offensive line we've seen the offense work with a poor offensive line but we've seen what happens with the defense when we don't have cornerbacks who can cover anybody and the result isn't pretty. Roasty. So for me, for me, that's why we have to go secondary first, and then after that, worry about picking up guys on the offensive mm. line. I now. see what you're saying. Now speaking of football in the city. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I I, I want to get the one
1: more thing. Okay. That I think is imperative. At least, I don't think it's going to happen. But it's something that's been swirling around in my neck of the woods. Yep is the need for an offensive coordinator, a dedicated offensive coordinator, or at least another set of eyes that oversees the
2: offense. I think the Texans should absolutely be hiring an offensive coordinator this offseason. To me, it's not even a question. Because because we've had had issues with this throughout the entirety of the season when Bill O'Brien's been the one calling the plays. We've had issues with this. Throughout the past few season, when whenever Bill O'Brien has taken the play calling control out of his offensive coordinator's hands, it's he obviously needs someone to share the responsibility with.
1: He at least needs another set of eyes to show him other things.
2: But I don't mind Bob calling the
1: plays as long as there is input coming from multiple channels. No, I and, agree. He, and he's being influenced. I absolutely agree. It, but I. It, it's just so hard because I don't see the Texans with as hard as a schedule as they're going to have next season. Now nah, the first-place schedule is going to be really difficult. And the fact that we had unquestionably the most healthy season the Texans have ever had, it seems, from a health standpoint, outside of Demarius Thomas. Yeah. Who else? We had uh, Fuller go out. Yeah. And then I'm blanking on uh, – other names.
2: I mean Kiki Kiki Kiki's was out, out for a well. lot of the year. So they've they had they've had, we, we, they've, had some we, injury had, issues. I wouldn't say that we were year. like
1: we've had our woes.
2: I, I wouldn't say it's our healthiest season of all time, but I would say that it's for the, the most part the, the most he- compared of, to last season, it's a, a it's lot had of the, shoulders above. Yeah, a lot of the key contributors were healthy for the majority of the season mm-hmm. and that's really all that you can ask for. And
1: and I, I don't see the Texans honestly putting up the same win loss record
2: as they did Th- this year as they will next well not if, if the if, roster is far from a finished product i, so, I know well, let's but, give them but, a full off season let's let the nfl playoffs finish and let's let some free agents come out before i'm, we I'm
1: still a little i'm still skeptical with bob at the helm
2: i'm no. just saying I'm no still i skeptical. i absolutely i you were f- completely grounded in saying i'm just skeptical. you're and, and being and you're completely grounded in saying that you're skeptical of bill o'brien mm-hmm. i I think everybody should be at this point, especially with the way that they've performed in the playoffs under him. Mm. But hey, let's. And uh, negative stuff's in the past, man. We're we're moving to the future. Oh, oh. we're moving to the future. You, you know what? You know
1: what? You know you know what? I have got a major key. Yeah, major. See your butt out of here, <laughs> King Dana is yeah. in
2: the house, Pimp Daddy himself. Yeah, the skullit, <laughs> the skullit is here, and. He's here with the Red Bull and some Demers barbecue. Hey man, like are we being sponsored by Red Bull now? <laughs> because that thing was unopened. Well, look, uh, Dana drinks a lot of energy drinks. Heard it. And he likes to I I, he, I I've, he, he, I've heard
1: I've heard that he's not allowed in Lubbock, Texas anymore. Yeah,
2: he, he has a he has a different uh, from from some issues with some co eds. He he has a different type of lifestyle, but look <laughs> it is a massive, massive improvement going from major apple white to Dana Dude, Holgerson for the University I, of Houston. I
1: don't know how they pulled that off to take him out of a very competitive, yeah. Power Five program, a top twenty-five, yeah. top twenty, top fifteen at times, Power Five program to low oh oh we're anywhere between twenty-five and forty. UH. No, it's
2: it's an absolute coup for for UH to to get Dana. Yeah, it That's means a great way of putting it. it. It means massive things for the program and for the. Group of five conferences in general, mm. because we're, we're shelling out major money four million a year. Isn't he at twenty million total? Yeah, so, so four million a year for five years with a whole bunch of incentives in that contract.
1: With a PH on the incentives.
2: Um, on ah. top of that, we're giving him a ton of money for his, uh, for his coordinators, for his position coaches. So he's going to be able to have top-of-the-line guys there. I mean, we've got David Gibbs coming back as the defensive coordinator. The third-war defense is back in action. I I love it. I am not a fan of David I I love it. I loved
1: it at times because it was so freaking fun to watch, and it was attack, 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 ball hawk constantly. Hey, John.
2: Oh. John, we're going from D'Onofrio to Gibbs, so that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a step up. So it's it's a, maybe a step or two. <laughs> it's it's a little bit more than just a little baby step. No, no, so. it's a
1: full. It's a full. That's one small step for UH. One. So, so you can league. have
2: all the reservations you want about David Gibbs, but I'm just gonna say we're going from D'Onofrio to Gibbs, and that is a massive. We're, 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 we're going change from, in the right direction. We're going from rookie mode on Madden to at least. Pro, maybe all pro. And so as this offseason in college football continues, I'm sure we're going to talk more about Dana and what him being here means to the University of Houston and to the football program. But for me, it's just so, so important that we got Major out of there. Major was – he was Tony Levine 2.0 in all the wrong ways. He was the safe um, in-house hire – that really just didn't move the needle at all. No, you, you, saw was, the, you saw he, the level of excitement that was at the games he was vanilla. this past two years. He was vanilla. Yeah, you saw you saw what Vanilla we, with no actual vanilla.
1: If, if just you, ice. It was to, ice. Yeah, if
2: you went to a UH vanilla game. Vanilla ice. <laughs> okay, Sean. If you went to a UH game these past two years, there was such a noticeable difference in the excitement level from when Tom Herman was here with what Major was doing.
1: I went to one... I went to... I went to
2: multiple games in all those seasons. I went to one in game all this, these, pa- in all those this past season. Yeah.
1: It was the Arizona game. If anyone was going to go, I was like, oh, it's Arizona. It's a bigger name. Cool. It's no one. Yeah. It's no one. The only people that were there was me and the NFL scouts in the press box. Those were the only freaking folks there, it seemed like. Yeah, it was...
2: Only person I wanted to talk to was the guy from the Ravens, and that yeah. was it. It's, it's something that's hard to quantify if you weren't around the school or around the program, but it just felt like that's every dry. like all the momentum had disappeared. Yeah, For everything everything that was built up through those two years of Tom Herman, and yes, I know he left in acrimonious circumstances, but but here's the deal: you literally left a massive void, and you did nothing to fill it. Yeah. But he left with the program at a high point, mm-hmm. or a relative high point. Yes. And to go from that to where we are currently, or to where we were currently, There's, as a we're school. St- we still
1: kind of there. We haven't proven anything yeah, yet. Yeah,
2: but But trajectory-wise. Yeah, so for the University of Houston to go from where they were with Tom Herman to where they were with Major Applewhite was a massive step down. So to have the injection and shot in the arm that is Dana Holgerson, it's... It means, mean it means everything to that program. It means everything
1: to that program. Good Dana on the horn. Yeah. Good <laughs> Dana.
2: Uncle Dana! And to to wrap it up, to put a nice little bow on things, um, going to stay on campus at the University of Houston. I want to just give a quick shout-out to the University of Houston basketball team. Yes. Um, the Cougs are 15-1. They lost their first game of the season earlier this week when they lost 73-69 to Temple. Say what you want about the officiating in the game. I thought the charge call at the end was, if anything, the correct call. There was a whole lot of other silliness and silliness that happened earlier in the game that was very questionable. questionable. Highly questionable. Very questionable, to put it nicely. But at the end of the day, you've got to overcome some of that yeah. adversity as a team. And the Cougars weren't able to do so. They did their darndest. And I just want to say, it is so much fun to watch this team, at least at a college basketball level, Mm-hmm. Um, because of how hard they play. yeah. It, For me, college basketball is never as fun as the NBA simply because the level of play mm-hmm. is at a significantly lower level. And the referees, the way they call stuff, like I know the NBA is, in, is no great shakes, but college basketball is a whole other step down. Mm-hmm. And it's so inconsistent with the calls they make and don't make and the way they can go from having a super physical game to a very tic tacky game. Within seconds, seemingly. Mm. But all that being said, the Cougs are a super fun team to watch. I haven't been out to the Fertina Center yet. Dude, I really, really go. want to go, dude. I got tickets um,
1: for like twelve dollars. Oh my yeah. gosh, dude! No, I'm, I'm excited it, to dude, get out there for some conference it, games this dude, year. It's so nice. And and if anything, I think the Cougs made. I, I obviously it made it made some news that uh was one of like the last three yeah. to finally lose. Yeah. That. It, it's kind of bad that we lost, but ah. then again, you're you're going to lose. Yeah, you, no one will ever have no, that. No, no one, season. no one
2: expects you to go undefeated.
1: But if anything, it happens every once. in We a while. had we had such a but, great showing in our out of conference games. Yeah, we had a fantastic showing, and then that's doesn't that help our RPI or whatever it is called? I forget um, what it is. Our
2: our out of conference schedule isn't incredible. It's but not, it, but, it, it's look, but, but it's better than nothing. No, it, was. it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Better than is. us just
1: playing East Carolina
0: every no,
2: game. No, it absolutely is. Um, but look, we're never gonna we're playing in the American Conference. We're never gonna have some crazy Big Ten or ACC yeah. schedule where we're playing multiple top twenty five teams every year. It's just not. It's not how it's gonna shake out. Mm-hmm. But this team completely looks like a top fifteen team in the country that can make some noise come March. And we're going to talk about them more as the season continues, but I just want to give them a shout out for all the stuff, all the hard work that they've been putting in. Yeah, They've done an incredible job of bringing energy to a program that when I started school at U- University of Houston, it was, that was a dead program. Dude, it was done. It was a dead program. It was nothing. And what Kelvin Sampson and this group of guys that he's got around him have done to revitalize the University of Houston basketball program is nothing short of extraordinary, mm-hmm. and I want to thank them for it.
0: Yeah,
1: right now we're currently ranked 17th in the nation. Probably going to drop a little bit after the loss to Temple. No, I think
2: that is after the loss. I think no, we're at they, haven't up, they haven't updated it. The, they haven't?
1: Okay. No, we were 17th coming into the okay. week. Okay, so. so we'll probably go to, you know, like 20, so, between 20 and 25.
2: Yeah, probably. Lose, losing to Temple is nothing to be ashamed of. They've beaten a the top 25 team each of the past 11 seasons, I believe, and they're 12-3 and 3 themselves, so it's not like they're some slouch. No. And they had a pretty tough out-of-conference schedule, honestly. So the fact that they came in and performed the way they did, it's not a surprise to anybody. Mm. So they're going to have a great conference season. I fully expect them to be playing for the conference title um, come February, come March. So it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. A whole lot of funsies. And with that,
1: we're out of here. Johnny B. with Andrew C. Follow us on Twitter at BitBeePod. Follow me at Johnny Toplerone. Follow Andrew at HypedUpAndrew. Don't forget, Linden Rook Show, Satellite Bar, 8 p.m. January 15th. It's a Tuesday. It's coming up soon. Don't forget, big shout-out to our sponsor, Rooted in Design HTX. Matthew Cow just made a brand-new, brand, brand, brand new, wonderful hardwood Dining Room Table. Go check it out on their Instagram, Rooted in Design HTX. We love you. We love you. Peace.